Today's podcast is brought to you by drinkers like you. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash have a drink show. What's going on? Something weird is happening. I, I, I can hear my heartbeat. Also, I really have to poop. What's happening to me? I blame this black demon juice in front of me. It's not even cold. I guess we're going to talk about coffee. Uh, it's apparently too much to cover in one episode. I mean, if, I, if that's all we're talking about, if we're all talking like this, maybe. Uh, I don't know. It's not really an option. Uh, so settle in, brew a pot. Uh, whenever I get to sleep at this rate. So come on, have a drink. Welcome to Have a Drink, a show where you learn along with us about what you drink. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. I'm Casey Price, and Brittany is Sans voice currently, so she is actually on the board today. Yes, she is just... Yeah, you might hear it. <laughs> there, there she Take is. that one up. She is, she's still uh, running the board and all the behind the scenes, but can't really talk. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel bad for her, uh, but... She couldn't really enjoy this episode anyway, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Too much caffeine. <laughs> Too much caffeine for me. Um, I also would like to point out, before we get really started, how much we have to treat me like Ron Burgundy by when we edit the thing. Take her name out of it. He's going to read whatever's in front of him. <laughs> hey, I do it. It's on its helicopter. Uh, all right. So, uh, what have we been up to today, guys? Or this week? Yeah, so I was able to, uh, I cannot reveal the results or anything like that, but I was able to uh, jump in and judge the uh, Alltech uh, brewing competition they have every single year. Uh, past couple of years, there's been some some pretty cool brands that have won, I think. Uh, so where, the this fest, this this competition, this, this uh, festival, whatever we want to call it, is where, uh, where we found El Coco. Coco was there. Yeah, that was our first and, and only really taste of the, the only true. actual stuff um, was at this this brew event. And uh, it's a fairly large competition. They get uh, beers submitted from around the world. Um, there are beers from all kinds of European nations that, that get submitted. Last year, um, I think the winner was Monday Night Brewing in Atlanta. The year before, I believe it was 2X IPA from... Southern Tier. Southern Tier. And the year before that, it was an Ohio brewery. And actually, Southern Tier, you know, big beers tend to win. But the year before that one, it was a small brewery from uh, Dayton, Ohio, I believe. It was Ohio. Know that at least. Um, Dayton Brewing Company, maybe. And they won with a like just a standard amber ale i believe oh wow which is very uncommon and just you know just kind of a uh i can't like i said i can't say the results but 
when you when you're in a competition like this, you notice on your palate. You go through at the very beginning. You're like, oh, that's very nuanced and that's very nice. And then toward the end of the competition, judging, you're like, man, I can't taste this. And and you get towards that that super duper big giant beer, and and you're like, oh yeah, this is great. This is good. Give me more of this. Yeah. And so, so it's 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 kind on- of weird to see a beer that's actually just made very well, but kind of light in flavor and and not. Um, not uh, super charged anything uh, kind of win it. It's it's good to see that from a couple years ago. When you're on cream ale number 21, you're just sliding Here. more bullets in the chamber and you're no. just ready to end it all. Yeah. No, you're not. You're just like, yeah, okay, sure. Because again, I, this Buffalo. We were, we were going through some beers and I, I came in a little bit late to this. So I had to work the first two days of, of the judging. So I just got to come in toward the end of the judging and, and we got to a beer that was, um, really sort of acidic for its style. It shouldn't have been as, as acid heavy as it was. Um, but my palate picked it up as super acid while the other two did, weren't seeing as much of the acid that was in there and, and as, as heavy. So it was kind of interesting to see, okay, we're, we're probably seeing this a little bit differently in my opinion, maybe, uh, from, from my side, they're they're looking at something a little bit brighter because everything else is starting to dull out at this point. And then on my side, I'm like, I'm fresh. I got a fresh palate. I'm coming in, and these crazy souped up, even for a light style. Uh, it was it was the big beers from that style that kind of made it. Well, so, I've never gotten to do an actual judging, and I probably never will. So I always kind of live vicariously through Casey's Casey's tales I've, of judging. You, you could always start judging at uh, the homebrew level. I could. That's a good way to jump in. It feels weird to try to do that, though, because I don't homebrew, and I feel like they would judge me. No. And reverse judging. At the competitions, they are desperate for people to judge. Like, hey, have you exactly. had a beer before? All right, get over here. Start drinking and start judging. <laughs> yeah. If, and you're they, always paired up with somebody that's a little bit more um, more seasoned. I was going to say, they throw a rope with a dart on it. They stick it into my chest, and they go, get over here. <laughs> Almost. So, uh, what categories did like? Was there one category you were in, Casey? That so we ended up doing uh, best of show judging. Oh, so okay. it was oh. it was a little of everything. You were there for you. You're like, all right, guys, you've done all the grunt work. I'm here to do the <laughs> delicious work. Thank, thank you, peons. Daddy is going to finish up. Yeah, I, I was able to come in and and you know get just the good stuff basically. <laughs> everything else we got like three beers at the very beginning that hadn't been judged yet, and then everything else was best to show stuff. Um, I got to judge sitting beside um, the head of the uh, a guy that I've known for for a few years now, um, head of the president of the the Homebrewers Club uh, or past president I guess at this point of Homebrewers Club in Lexington, and then um, the marketing person, her and her husband started Pivot Brewing in Lexington. Oh, okay. Which is a cider brewery, yeah. so they do a lot of ciders and um, they do a, a few beer things in there. But they're 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 heavily focused on the cider side. And I got to you know ask a bunch of questions and say, hey, how do you do this? Because it was really neat. You don't normally hear from the cider people, and and the way they source their apples and press on site, uh, it's really cool. They're actually being real artisans. I think about the idea. Uh, they were talking about when they first got into this. The uh, the guy he was like, I'm not going to sulfite my my apples at all. And like two weeks later, we're sulfiting <laughs> because it's so much easier to control flavors and make sure that that everything goes the way it needs to go. Yeah. Um, so it, it was interesting to kind of get that side of the world. Hmm, cool. 
right, Justin, what have you been up to? Um, well, uh, generally I've had a fairly busy week, mostly just work stuff, but, uh, I had, I had a day off and, uh, I get a text from, from Casey partway through cause he's judging on Friday and he's like, Hey, are you off today? I was like, yeah. Yeah. And he's like, well, if I, uh, if I come in, uh, if I can get off, you know, get off work early enough, might be able to drive up there in time and we can go, uh go down and watch uh, watch the minor league ball team play that's near where I live, the Lexington Legends. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm always up for, for a you know, nice baseball game out in the nice day. It's like, yeah, it's Thirsty Thursday. It's a uh, dollar beer night. Yes. Ooh. Uh, Indeed. But what, so they... what were the dollar beers? Were they like, you know, were you getting PBRs? Or... <laughs> no, no, it was... Uh, it was from. Uh, uh, they were all from Alltech. They were the the Kentucky Ale, uh, their IPA, which the name of it I, escapes me. College Heights. It's their, yeah, their college right. College Heights version of their IPA. Yep. And uh, the Kolsch. The Kolsch, which is very popular. The keg yep. blew at least once while we were doing stuff. And then there's the uh, Vanilla Barrel was there. Oh. With, so one dollar. 12 ounce pours of vanilla mm-hmm. barrel. Oh my god. Which is normally an 8 ounce pour beer for $8 or, or uh, 6 to $8 yeah. in a restaurant. Yeah, that is a steal. Oh my. Oh. I would just that's all I would have done, just armfuls of those all night. We're we're double fisting walking back uh-huh. to our seats cuz it's like, you know, give me two. I'll, I'll take them with me. <laughs> and they, uh, they guess I guess they they never actually said limit two or anything, but I'm he guessing the idea you hands. can only have two hands. Yeah, so that's kind of the – if I showed up with a cup carrier from McDonald's, I'm kind of wondering if they would just fill me up. The, they probably <laughs> would have because, uh, I don't know, if it was anything like Mad Tree when they were giving away, oh, with every – while supplies last, every pour gets a free glass. And it was like, oh, <laughs> and then that's when people just started walking up there with pizza boxes going, yeah, I'll take six. And they just we, loading them all up. Yeah. On. So we, we got – we we – got seats we bought seats so we were were like when you're at the minor league games it's really easy to get seats and so we got like and they're cheap (laughs) right behind first base one row back from the field like twelve dollars a seat but if you were a college person and or college kid and just wanted to go there and drink the dollar beers every thirsty thursday a six dollar ticket gets you the patio where you can just drink dollar (laughs) beers yeah and bring your dog that was the other weird thing Dogs everywhere, um, just fine. Except occasionally they were they were decide that the dogs were having conversations while we were trying to get beer. Going, all right, guys, I get it. You're excited, but <laughs> they were pumped. Were they too? They pumped? were too pumped. Oh, too pumped. Uh, but yeah, that uh, that was that was pretty fun. I will say we we realized, uh, especially at one particular point in the game, <laughs> our seats, while good, may have had some some issues. Uh, when I uh, when we looked back at the, the the back of my chair, and it had been broken from a ball hitting it, <laughs> like it had roughly a baseball shaped fracture in the plastic. So so we're saying there might be some ball control issues in the monitors. <laughs> yeah, and one happened while we were there, and I like it's coming towards towards us, and I like I ducked down. And I was like, ah, oh, it missed me. And I just hear behind me, "Ow!" Uh-oh. <laughs> hit, you say, hit I want... some lady in the hit some lady in the leg behind me, and I was just like, "Sorry, 
I wasn't taking one for the team there. That was going towards the team. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say you ducked, and then it hit a kid in the face. <laughs> there was an incident where one of the batters let go of his bat, and it did come into the crowd. Yeah. And knock somebody in the face. Maybe. Not just into, like, it had to go, it went over <laughs> like, the, the little security fence for all the foul balls, and then then landed into the audience. Maybe we need to go to more minor league games, because these <laughs> sound it, it's really fun. fun. It's a steal. They have they have dog ball boys, uh, bat boys. Okay, I'm sold. Uh, like we, the we dog have... comes out there, they picks up the bat and runs to the other side, and you're like, okay. We have a minor league uh, team around here, so we might need to start going to those games. That, that's the way to go. Too fun. Uh, also, quickly, uh, there was there's another incident where someone just you know happened to be in town and said, Bob, let's go get a drink, and uh, me and Chris ended up at Ethereal this morning. Yeah, uh, we, we kind of ran in and scooped up off of a release that was last night. And the keg blew on it right as Justin was getting his pour. <laughs> like, I got half the beer. I don't think they charged me for that one. No, we got free. Oh, yeah. We got freebies on those. And then she got, like, discouraged and then came back later. And uh, whatever was in the line had finally collected at the tap. And she tried it again. And it, it was another <laughs> half fill. So she gave me that one for free. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty nice though. It was a, um, it was the Lexitonian. It's there. Uh, what all goes into that Gosa? It's a Gosa, but it's got pomegranate lime Gosa. That's what it was. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, but they also were rolling out. Basically, uh, I heard one of them mention they were cleaning out the cellar as because I was like, oh, they're they're putting they brought out new boards to add to the tap list. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa! This, everything was bourbon barrel aged and. She's like, yeah, we're cleaning out, cleaning out the cellar. The the 2017 oh. Space Catats at Ethereal, which uh, is their, um, it was a farmhouse. They called it a farmhouse uh, IPA. It was just a big farmhouse. Ale. Farmhouse, yeah. But which was pretty nice. But they also had the Baba Yaga there. Coffee uh, and vanilla. In vanilla, which is so good. Doesn't go as great with pizza, but still good. No, but it's it was there. We had to get it. Yeah. All right. Oh. Uh, aside from that, though, uh, Brittany is sick, and I I think I'm getting sick as well. That uh, mm-hmm. I, I feel it in my throat, and my nose has begun to run. But this week, uh, well, and this my nose is running right now. Brittany, how could you do this to me? It's all her fault. That Through I, Chris. Yeah, I probably got you sick today. So. Um, Friday, uh, before I began getting sick as well, uh, we decided to rebuild the show computer, and I, I think we've hammered out most of those issues. Hopefully, well, it's working now, so that's that's the good part. I mean, yeah, it's and it's working faster. So we got in there and uh, new motherboard, uh, new CPU, and add an SSD. You know, we really really got it with the current times, and. Uh, haven't been up to a lot, but some interesting news around town recently. So, uh, Jim Cook, uh, hometown. So, he was hanging around Cincinnati. He did the commencement speech at uh, Cincinnati State. And they had to tweet it out because, and like, he just walks up to the podium and before he starts, cracks open a Boston lager. <laughs> it's his calling card. Yeah, it so really the, is. the picture is hilarious because it's just like there's a Boston logger open on the podium. Like he couldn't he couldn't wait. He was just like, nope, I'm going to go ahead and open one here. 
And that's an Oktoberfest every year. That like he will start harassing people if he can't get a pour of Oktoberfest. When he's up <laughs> I just on think it'd have been pretty funny if he walks up there in that whole you know cap and gown, puts the puts the bottle lid on the top on the edge of the podium and just slams it down to pop it open. And goes like, all right. Oh my, that would be awesome. <laughs> that would be the best. Yeah. And then uh, he hit up some local places. He went to uh, one of the best places to find some obscure beers in the area uh cappies and mm. signed all their bottles their empties of uh utopias because i think they have one from like every year it's been released so he was oh, probably there for yeah. a little while signing but yeah, yeah that's uh i think it's what we've been up to so casey what about some announcements Indeed. Well, our next episode will be a little bit different for those of you that like to watch live. It will be on Sunday, May 20th at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and covering French wines. We had to maneuver some things around, and so that one will be on a Sunday in, uh, afternoon instead of a Saturday evening. Pretty much the old original, like the original time for the show. Yeah. Yeah. Now you all can go out and have a drink on a Saturday night or something. Yeah. Oh, we're all so happy to join the Diamond Club in the year-round Extra Life campaign to support Children's Miracle Network. You can donate at our page to help us and the team reach the $10,000 goal. You can visit bit.ly had extra life. That is bit.ly slash had extra life. And everything's in lowercase. Yes. We also think, I believe, have a movie draft update moment. Welcome to your B-Team Movie Draft Minute, presented by DiamondClub.tv. For the week of May 7th, 2018, I'm your host, Big Voice Jay. I once thought I had mono for an entire year. Turned out I was just really bored. Let's go to the scores! Team The Vaught Squad is in last place, still waiting for their first film. Team Walking Drunk is on the board, with Overboard putting them in fifth place, with $15.9 million. Team Movie Party is in fourth place, with $56.5 million. Team Game Night is in third place, with $133.3 million. Team Ritual Misery is in second place, with $254.3 million. And with another blockbuster nine-figure weekend, Team Have a Drink is on top, with $525.6 million. That's your movie draft. Minute. All totals are accurate as of 8 p.m. Central, Tuesday, May 8th, 2018. Okay, we have a commanding lead. We are nearly double our closest competitor, but this... we need this lead like because we've got maybe another week where we're going to post another big gain, and then that's all going to go away, and we're just going to be biting our fingernails because the only movie we have left is Crazy Rich Asians. Look, this is yeah. I was gonna say like yeah, like talking about how good we're doing now. Said the said the hair to the tortoise. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. uh, we just had our hair moment. Or like we were blowing past everybody. We've got a commanding lead now, and then we're just gonna stop making money. So we've got a week or two left of this making money, and then we're gonna stop making money, and we're just gonna be <laughs> sitting here crossing our fingers, hoping that that's enough of a lead. Yeah, whenever I'm looking at uh, the Star Wars uh, episode Force Awakens, so seven, eight, eight, right? Uh, no, Force eight. Awakens was seven. Uh, yeah, that was seven. Eight was uh, uh, Last, Last Jedi. Jedi. Okay, so seven. Uh, we're we're in the 15 day totals. We haven't. We're like 180 million lower than than them. So, yeah, that that however was like. 
crazy mode. decades decades in the making to get to there so uh, it's true if I, you want to judge at least how solo is going to do i'd recommend judging by rogue one numbers yeah because yeah. confidence in that movie is extremely low disney has even told their uh shareholders that yeah that movie's gonna flop yeah currently we're about 100 million above in the 15 day total of the original Avengers, which pulled in a total of six hundred twenty-three million at the end of their run, domestic gross. So maybe if we get in through there, we may pull in seven fifty. I'm thinking somewhere around there. Seven fifty, maybe eight, because I mean, there is a strong rewatchability on Infinity yeah. War. Yeah. I mean, should that's go, a lot. Should of go people, watch it tomorrow just to help. Yeah, a lot of people mm-hmm. are saying you need a second watch because there's a lot of things you miss the first yeah. time through. And I would love to go see it a second time. I just we we need to get in on one of these little clubs where you get uh, get to need go. that uh, need that movie pass. It's not gonna be around mm-hmm. much longer. They just announced uh, they've got less than a month's worth of fundage left, mm-hmm. and then their stock price, like uh, the faith in their company, has completely plummeted. It's gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, do we have any uh, have any news? I think we do. Uh. All right, so as some people may have noticed, uh, Coors chairman, uh, we've been joking about this all week, Pete Coors. Who no knew, way, that's real. Who knew that Coors was just a family name? Well, uh, I mean, you know. <laughs> ah, that's the old brewer way to do it. Yeah, like a- Anheuser, yeah. Bush. Yeah, that, that's... You just don't think of it. You just you know these as brands, at least for us. So Pete Coors, the chairman of Molson Coors uh, Board of Directors, didn't appreciate some of the comments that were made about large brewing companies during last week's Craft Brewers Conference. God, he's so white. He he is the picture. (laughs) He looks like Mike Pence mixed with a whiter man. uh, Brittany just said Mike Pence with uh, Mike Pence mixed with Dick Van Dyke. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. That's, that's it. Like, it's just the widest. So the annual event, which was hosted by the Brewers Association and drew nearly 14,000 attendees from across the beer industry to Nashville, Tennessee, for a week of learning and socializing, began with a familiar refrain. Big beer is bad. Uh, that drew the ire of Coors and Colorado Beer Baron, whose family ranks number 71 on Forbes' list of the richest American families, just in case you're curious. In response, Coors, who didn't attend the conference, penned what a Miller Coors spokesman described as an open letter to the Brewers Association and two of its key members, CEO Bob Pease and uh, chairman of the board, Eric Wallace, who co-founded Colorado's Left Hand Brewing. Uh, The leadership of the Brewers Association does a great disservice. This is a quote, by the way. A great disservice to the entire beer value chain by attempting to pit one part of the industry against another, he wrote in the letter, which was first published by subscription-based trade publication Beer Business Daily. He did not send this letter to them. I just hear, quit picking on me. So this is, I think this is like the epitome of just angry throwing a fit in the corner. It's like those Facebook posts where someone is being so passive-aggressive and not naming names, or like they're keeping all the main details out, but publicly throwing everything up there so that everyone can piece it together themselves. So Coors, who in 2016 pushed the button 
approving Molson Coors' $12 billion purchase of Saab Miller's stake in the Miller Coors joint venture, was responding to Wallace, who had some strong words for large breweries last Tuesday. Uh, the many faux craft, crafty, captive, captive, yeah, all the acquired brands and weapons in the arsenal of the big breweries and used to control as much of the market as possible, Wallace said during the event. These guys are out to eat our collective lunch and take your kids' lunch money as well. Yeah, there was kind of some strong anti, uh, anti-conglomerate rhetoric that was going on there, but, I mean, he had a point. Uh, Coors, who lives in Colorado, where the Brewers Association is headquartered, took particular offense to Wallace's remarks and responded with some harsh words of his own. Uh, you undermine your credibility by pitting us against one another to the ultimate detriment of the entire beer industry. So, but instead of picking up the phone or sharing his concerns with Peace or Wallace over a beer, Coors pinned his hopes on the pair, reading them through a single trade publication. Oddly enough, the so-called open letter was never actually sent to Peace or the Brewers Association officials. You know, it's not these small brewers that say, you know, these bad negative things about big breweries. It is they're just telling the truth. And these big breweries have very anti-small business agendas. They come in and they throw lobby money at different state legislatures that will actually come in and make laws that make it harder to get into the brewing industry and that's the problem and then Pete Coors comes in and writes this letter saying oh you're just so so mean to us and you need to this isn't good for the beer industry as a whole no it's not good for big beer that's that's who it's not big for and so it drives me up a wall whenever I see these these guys come in and, and they're just in it for their own pockets you know number 71 on the Forbes list of richest American families yeah, you didn't get there by letting somebody come in and eat your lunch. And that's what people are doing right now. They see a little beer is coming in and taking over that category, and they don't like it. Yeah, I do like it. So they wrapped this whole thing up uh, when asked. However, uh, the spokesman wouldn't comment on whether Miller Coors considered an email or a phone call to the trade group as a more direct option. <laughs> yeah, it's... The whole thing just kills me because they're like, oh, yeah, we're, you know, richest family, one of the richest families in the country. And, oh, you're, you're hurting us. You're, you're hurting our business. And it's like, no, they would, they're passing, they're pushing this legislation. Texas just had a bunch of legislation pushed through that's making it harder than ever to start new breweries in Texas. Uh, we saw a huge battle here in Kentucky over distribution that AB InBev was pushing hard to try and uh, keep uh, local breweries from being able to self-distribute their their beer and it went through and it really hurt a lot of like because uh local rheingeist has said has set up their own distribution it's how they've been getting their beer and a bunch of locals have teamed up with them to get out in the market and they can't distribute through that format into kentucky because of this they had to start creating sub companies that they're running now and it's a huge and you know who owns those sub companies big beer yeah for the most part, it, it goes through these these intermediaries, so they can't technically own it. But there's there's larger companies, and then their their sub companies have a a certain. I give all my business, hundred percent of my business, to this one individual. 
Um, if I'm if I am Coors, I have one person that takes all of my business, and they may be the owners of it, but I make up 99% of the beer that they're distributing. And you know what happens if they do something that I don't like? I pull my beer. So I tell them what I don't like, and they do exactly what I tell them to do. Yep. And we see uh, there are all these scandals that have been coming about for things like that when uh, it's not just packaged beer, but when you're looking at uh, the bar side of things and taps, where these companies are going straight to bars and saying, hey, you're going to put mostly our stuff on draft, and we're going to give it to you free. We're going to give you free systems and all this stuff. And if you start putting too many other taps of you know local breweries and things like that on or stuff we don't like we're going to take it all away from you but it's i don't know i just hate the passive aggressive tone and way he did it and it is just like a spoiled spoiled little brat teenage girl being just like oh she said this about me and i what like well not to name names but so and so is blah 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 uh, they have the whole letter here because they, they re- eventually repost it as a blog post. They they never actually sent it to the Brewers Association, but they've now posted it in two or three other places. And sorry, I'm just reading part of it, and it's just like, <laughs> competition or industry should be honored and cherished. And yeah, it, that's what they're <laughs> that's what they're doing. Yeah, and <laughs> it even brings up the thing that ABM has been going on is like. Oh, we're all over here bickering internally, and here comes uh, packaged liquor to and wine to eat our lunch. Like they're coming, they're coming to get us. Here comes liquor. They're coming to get us. The boogeyman. Yeah, they, they they've been doing that. <sighs> That's that is the problem historically with uh, with the larger breweries is that they can't get along because they're also constantly competing with the uh uh uh, with the the liquor and spirits and wine industries and they're like oh they're they're out to get us this is why they couldn't coalesce and stop prohibition is what i'm saying yeah Uh, (laughs) yeah that's what it came down to and this is i don't know it kills me The, the whole thing just rubbed me rubbed me the wrong way yeah i also just i don't expect i don't know what he thought was going to come out of a a a small craft brewer association, uh, yeah, again. designed to because he's like, oh, I bet they raise a glass to us every year. Oh no. yes, they 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 celebrate they celebrate the Coors name, the Coors family. No, no, they so, no, they, they pretty much. I, I, I don't know. So, like, there there is so it's not the craft brewers association. It's just well, the, it's brewers, the association. brewers association, but they are made up of mm-hmm. of all brewers in the U.S. Yeah, so. Yeah. Um, these these guys should be a part of that association. If well, I mean, I don't know if I don't know if they extended an offer to them to join or not, but I don't assume that they oh, went. No. So they would be. Um, so there is the the Brewers Association is supposed to represent small and independent craft brewers, but I think it's open to everyone. Yeah, regardless of size. Right. You just can't be a independent craft without. You can't get the seal unless you meet all those. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah. All right, let's let's bring this mood up because I'm I'm just getting annoyed with this, and let's talk about some untapped. Get riggedy, riggedy, So hearing that just makes me want to celebrate because seventy more episodes of Rick and Morty. Thousand years, Rick and Morty. Um, <laughs> yeah. Combining 
two very unique passions, the brewers of Bird Brewery, are creating a quality beer, quality beers with a quirky twist. What a twist. Uh, having immersed in the world of birds at an early age, uh, co-founder Ralph Von Bemmel. I just, I'm picturing his family running tanks in northern northern uh, <laughs> Africa. I know that's Rommel, but... Uh, Desert Fox. <laughs> Ralph Von Bemmel uh, believes that... Uh, believes everywhere around you you uh, we will find the most beautiful birds and the most beautiful beers uh but you are often not aware of the real beauty of both take notice of uh the beauty and flavor of bird breweries beers and you could you too can become a bird watcher uh check into five beers from brewery uh from bird brewery between may 12th and may 21st so uh got a little bit of time still uh and you can unlock the new official bird watcher badge uh, <laughs> They they shelled out for a badge. Yes. <laughs> uh, learn more uh, from their website, Facebook, Instagram, and unlike them on Untapped. And then they have it in Dutch. So where's that brewery at? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I probably should have done some research on that. <laughs> oh no, it's fine. I just threw you a curveball there. Yeah, I couldn't find any. I don't see anything. Else. Oh. Where? Bird Brewery, Amsterdam, Netherlands. One, it explains the last name. Hey, it's uh, kind of cool to finally see some international stuff popping up for badges, except for, you know, we only see the core badge stuff, so finally they're 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 shelling out for, for some badges. Beard Bird. Uh, yeah, I was trying to find their actual website, and, oh, yeah, no, everything is in Dutch. All right. Everything's in Freaky Deaky. <laughs> Freaky Deaky Dutch. All right. Uh, well, our next badge here is from Trogues. We have uh, Hop Cycle Crimson Pistol. Uh, Trogues' latest release is hitting shelves just in time for the coming summer months. With hop vines growing up to six inches a day and hibiscus in full bloom, Crimson Pistol marries these two into a glorious tangle of berry-like tanginess, sunset technicolor, and sticky tropical notes. Wow, that sounds amazing. Uh, been on the lookout for, for this. Be on the lookout for this beautiful blend of hibiscus and hops, and you'll be rewarded. Check into one Crimson Pistol from Trogues Independent Brewing between May 10th and June 10th to unlock the Hop Cycle Crimson Pistol badge. Find out more about Crimson Pistol and the rest of the Trogues lineup at trogues.com, and be sure to connect on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I really like their beer. Trogues makes some good stuff. <laughs> Indeed. Also, you know, I know both of your badges are pretty important, but I think mine's the best. For the 13th year in a row, the Brewers Association invites you to celebrate American Craft Beer Week, the nationwide celebration of small and independent craft brewers throughout the United States. Takes on the 6,000 brewers in the U.S., almost all, 98% of them are small and independent craft brewers. This week-long tribute provides an opportunity for craft brewers to share their diversity, creativity, and passion for the beverage we all love. To unlock the American Craft Beer Week 2018 badge, check into any beer from any independent American craft brewery between May 14th and May 20th. Show your support for craft beer across the United States by raising a pint in celebration. They sent out, uh, I forgot to pick up today when we were, when we were at uh, Ethereal, 
They have the Lexington Craft Beer Week stuff. And all the stuff, and Hopcat and Lexington's doing some crazy tappings. Yeah, and I, I, I left it on the bar, and I realized it, like, a few, like, an hour before we did the news show. I was like, crap! Oh, no, you'll have to go back down to Ethereal so you can get another one. Darn the luck! Oh, man. Just, unfortunately, I'm not going to be showing up. I know for a fact I'm showing up Friday. <laughs> uh, with their their crazy Japanese oh yeah release we'll talk about that next week probably yeah so if you if you are um, in an area with a few craft brewers check out your local uh, information because you are probably in with their craft beer week as well since it is nationwide they may have some special events going on you know in Lexington Kentucky there is even a uh, unified website where all the events are posted for each brewery and as per usual Cincinnati, despite boasting a hefty 50-plus breweries, will still be too cheap to put out for a badge. Alright, so if you'd like to add us on Untapped, we are on there. You can find me with uh, Walker X 42 uh, Bob of Thunder, since Bob of Thunder without a U. <laughs> and Casey Price. Because Casey as used well as... his actual name. <laughs> As well as Brittany, who is spiced underscore the letter N underscore hoppy. Yeah, it's great. Uh, if you guys want to add us, it's we love checking out what everyone's drinking and being able to comment. And it is a great way to keep up with trends and see what everyone's drinking and make sure. I mean, just the information they're able to gather is so great. And now that they make that available to all of us is even better. So you can just go and see globally what's trending. Well, I think that will take us through most of the introductory stuff so we can jump right into our topic of the week. Oh, I mean, not right now, but give it time. It's a long episode. Uh,. So, today's topic spreads over a thousand years of written history and nearly 500 more of unwritten legend. Because of the size of coffee as a topic, we have decided to split it into a couple of episodes. Uh, they won't be back-to-back, but we'll get, uh, we will get the next uh, episode on coffee in a few weeks. In that episode, you can expect to hear about the brewing techniques, the history of espresso, uh, cappuccino, instant coffee, as well as tasting notes, uh, regional and style variations, uh, and especially decaffeination. But today, let's start from square one and talk about the history of coffee, how it's cultivated, uh, and lastly, how we get it from the field to finished bean. So coffee is – the coffee plant is thought to have originated uh, in the region today is known as Ethiopia. This is where und- the undomesticate, undomesticated plant was probably discovered and potentially first used. One of the earliest accounts in legend uh, – Chronicles the Moroccan Sufi mystic Gothrul Gothrul Akbar Gothrul Akbar Nuruddin Abu al Hassam al Sahidi. Khatu Varata. <laughs> All right then. Uh, I said most of the thing. Uh, Anyway, he is said to have seen birds with great unusual vitality eating berries from a tree. Uh, he tried the same uh, berries and experienced the same vitality. 
he got a caffeine binge. Uh, <laughs> he ate 300 of those berries, and he he saw time just stand still. His heart stopped. Another more unlikely story involves a 9th century Ethiopian goat herder named Kaldi, who noticed uh, when his herd ate the bright red berries and didn't die, he tried some himself. Good call. Tested on the sheep first. Sheeple. (laughs) Wake up, sheeple. You'll never go to sleep after eating these berries, sheeple. Uh, He liked them so much that he brought them back to a nearby monastery to show a monk. The monk allegedly threw the beans into a fire in his disapproval. The enticing aroma caused Kaldi to rake the beans from the embers and grind them and dissolve them into hot water. Uh, this is said to be the fir- world's first actual cup of brewed coffee. The first time the story appeared in writing, however, was in 1671, 800 years after it was said to happen, so it's likely untrue. Uh, other stories describe the disciple of Sheikh Abul Hassan Shal. Shandali, not going to work here anymore. Uh, called Omar. Why can't we just start with Omar? Uh, a disciple called Omar, who was known as a great healer. He had the ability to uh, cure the sick through prayer. He was put into exile for a moral transgression. The transgression is said to have uh, been that he kept, uh, been that when he cured a princess on her deathbed, he decided to keep her. That's that's called kidnapping. Yeah. And that leads to rape. So, yeah, bad guy. He should be exiled <laughs> and probably more. Uh, he was exiled by the king as punishment. In his exile, he arrived at a desert cave near the mountain Osab. Uh, he became hungry and in his hunger attempted to eat the berries. Some say uh, that a bird brought it to him on a limb with berries on it. Birds are just so helpful in these stories. Uh, <laughs> right. The berries were too bitter, so he threw them into a fire to remove the bitterness. I mean, that's what I do when I have something too bitter. I just toss it into a fire, and that, that should take it, take it right out. That's the way it works. Uh, that hardened the berry, and so he attempted to boil them in water to soften them. Uh, the cups of boiled beans smelled so good that he drank the cup instead. Uh, part of that story would I would like to be true, just in the sense of like, nah, just throw this out. I don't want it. <laughs> Well, that's too hard to eat now. Let's just put this in a cup. Maybe we can soften it back up. But I'll fix this. I'll fix it. Well, it doesn't smell half bad. All right. Um, I don't know. Just the idea of it being that dumb. <laughs> <laughs> that's, how I like, that's how I like to think most of, of common things pop up, you know. Okay. What, what really happened was somebody dared someone to eat the red beans. Well, no, yeah. what, uh, what you see a lot through testing for things, you're just like, how did, how did this happen? There is a tried-and-true method that has developed, and it is like prehistory, as this goes back to, is people would take you know every plant and everything you can find, and first you take it and you rub it on your skin, see if you get a reaction. If not, you're like, okay, I'm all right. Give it just a little bit to some of your livestock. Uh, they're all right, all right. Then try a little bit yourself. You're all right. And then you do a full whatever, and then you're like, all right, this is great. We're, we're good. It doesn't kill us. Right, but how do you go from that to I'm going to roast this, then put it in water, and then drink the water? Yeah, 
you got me on that. This is like the whole fermentation thing. It's it's just laziness, you know. Someone yeah, fermentation make... makes sense because it's like we just left it setting out. <laughs> yeah, we left it over there to do its own thing, and then someone was like, you know, that smells pretty good. <laughs> I even know if it smelled good. Well, I'm just like, I dare you to drink that. Oh, how'd it taste? Uh, not gr- feeling pretty good though. <laughs> you gotta try. This. Drink some more. Let's let's find out. Uh. So one theme uh, most stories of coffee origin stands out, probably being true, is that we are uh, uh, likely never know the true origin. Uh, coffee was probably tried first by animals who were not as keen on self-preservation by avoiding unknown brightly colored plants. In fairness, nature tells us what's dangerous by coloring itself bright. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Don't lick that toad. Why? Because it's a weird thing to do. Well, I'm going to lick also, it. Also, <laughs> it's, it's bright. <laughs> Uh, most of the other animals are colorblind, so they don't know. But it's also likely that coffee was tried by many individuals that, quote, discovered it for the first time, uh, seeing how divisions of people were so spread out in that area at the time. Many groups probably ate the berries and found them, uh, and the discovery spread slowly. Uh, coffee also likely started as a chewed berry for stimulation, as uh, well before it was tried as a beverage. Uh <laughs> Getting a little warm over there, Chris. It's a little hot in here. Hot in here. Thinking of all that. Uh, he's oh. fanning himself with our new stickers, which will be being mailed out to patrons sometime soon. The buzz-like effect from coffee made it a potent drug at a time when caffeine was still undiscovered and uh, previously unused as it is today. Uh, what is uh, uh, even more likely is the coffee beans were ground and mixed uh, with fat to form a thick paste. This could be rolled into bars that were used as energy drops for. Uh, long journeys, uh, sort of like a caffeine-infused energy bar. The use of coffee was probably brought from Ethiopia, uh, from Ethiopia to the city of Harar, sure, in the Arabian Peninsula by uh, Sudanese slaves who would have used the beans to help survive, pardon, help survive the harsh treatment conditions on the Muslim slave trade routes. They likely uh, learned the practice from the Gala tribe of Ethiopia coffee of the 10th century was eaten as a porridge in tribes of Ethiopia that grad and gradually that porridge became a beverage similar to what we drink today that I could see actually being how that would work yeah like you know like how I drink cereal milk <laughs> pretty much <laughs> and now we just got cereal milk uh, some tribes in the area actually uh, fermented the bean and made a wine from like from the uh, made a wine like drink the uh, custom of brewing gradually took hold, and around the 13th century, coffee spread to the Islamic world, where it was uh, used as a medicine and prayer aid to stay awake. <laughs> yeah, you got to pray five times a day. That last couple, you're like, man, it's late. Okay, fine, give me a cup of coffee. I'll... We're going to get through this. Power through. It was boiled long and concentrated for strength. The coffee bean has apocryphal stories uh, being in Yemen as early as the 9th century, but evidence uh, that is solid uh, say that it was probably around the 15th century when it was uh, consumed in the Sufi monasteries to keep the uh, devotees up the long hours of nighttime prayer. Uh, Yemen is where the term mocha comes from. The city, mocha, was the center of trade in the region. The style of being there referred to as mocha for the distinctive flavors. It is said that uh, Marco Polo purchased coffee and mocha during his voyage, uh, but that wasn't until the 17th century that knowledge of coffee uh, and the name mocha uh, spread to Europe. Uh, around that time, uh, European travelers in the Near East brought back stories and samples of unusual dark beverage. It was called the first bitter invention of Satan. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Uh, and the the clergy condemned it when it arrived in Venice in 1615. 
the Pope asked uh, asked to intervene because of the controversy. Pope uh, Pope Clement the Eighth tasted the beverage himself and found it so satisfying that he gave it a papal approval. Uh, <laughs> uh, bird tested, Pope approved. Yeah. <laughs> oh, even the Pope says yay. So, despite such controversy, coffee houses were quickly becoming centers of social activity and communication in the major cities of England, Austria, France, Germany, and Holland. So, in England, uh, Penny Universities, uh, oh, I love so many history courses talking about the Penny Universities, <laughs> sprang up so-called because of the price of a penny for that one could purchase a cup of coffee and engage in stimulating conversation. Coffee began to replace the common breakfast drink beverages of the time, uh, beer and wine. Can we can we just go ahead and start bringing those <laughs> days back? I think Founders is really ahead of the game, pushing hard for that one. Uh, those here, not just for breakfast anymore. If you've seen their just social saying, media, just you wake up in the morning, you get your Cheerios, and you just pour that beer right over it. If you've seen their social media, Founders is pushing hard for you to start doing beerios with breakfast out, and I am fully no on board. No. I want to try Heck this. No. I will do it. Uh, those who drink coffee instead of alcohol began the day alert and energized, and, not surprisingly, the quality of their work was greatly improved. Okay, in fairness, drunk is not a good way to start the day. Let's not start the day <laughs> with a depressant. Let's start the day with a stimulant. How about that? Uh, in the mid-1600s, coffee was brought to New Amsterdam, later called New York, by the British. Uh, though coffee houses rapidly began to appear, tea continued to be the favored drink in the New World until 1773, when the colonists revolted against the heavy tax on tea imposed by King George III. The revolt known as the Boston Tea Party would forever change the American drinking preference to coffee. There's a story about John Adams traveling down uh, to probably one of the, the uh, one of the Continental Congresses, and he's like, "Is it too much to ask for a weary traveler to have a cup of tea?" They went, "Nope, we got coffee. We we don't do that drink anymore. We drink coffee here." He's like, "Fine, <laughs> just something." So the Dutch finally got seedlings in the later half of the 17th century. Their first attempts to plant them in India failed, but they were successful with their efforts in uh, Batavia on the island of Java in what is now Indonesia. All these should be ringing big bells for coffee drinkers. Java, 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 Java. <laughs> the plants thrived, and soon the Dutch had a productive and growing trade in coffee. They then expanded the cultivation of coffee trees to the islands of Sumatra and uh, Celebes. 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 That's a Pokemon. No, that's a Pokemon. Never mind. <laughs> In 1714, the mayor of Amsterdam uh, presented a gift of a young coffee plant to King Louis of France. Uh, the king ordered it to be planted in the Royal Botanical Garden in Paris. That is something I've noticed, actually, is... You see a lot of coffee plants in uh, Royal Botanical Gardens to this day. Uh, in Scotland, we saw a bunch of them there. And it was like, why are they growing coffee? And it's just because, no, those plants actually have a lineage going back extremely far. Uh, so in 1723, a young naval officer, Gabriel de Clue, obtained a seedling from the king's plant. Uh, despite a challenging voyage complete with horrendous weather. 
a saboteur who tried to destroy the seedling, and a pirate attack. He managed to Yarr. transport it safely to Martinique. 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 I'm terrible with French. Uh, once planted, the seedling not only thrived, but it's credited with the spread of over 18 million coffee trees on the island of Martinique in the next 50 years. Even more incredible is that this seedling was the parent of all coffee trees throughout the Caribbean, South and Central America. Wow. That's yeah. pretty much where most coffee comes from today. <laughs> By the end of the 18th century, coffee had become one of the world's most profitable export crops. After crude oil, coffee is the most sought commodity in the world. So, yeah, that's kind of a, to be fair, I've slaughtered several civilizations in the game Civilization just to get, get at their coffee. <laughs> uh, now we've discussed the history, let's talk a bit about how coffee is grown and produced. Uh, the coffee bean itself is actually a seed. That seed can be brewed or it can be used to grow uh, a coffee tree if it isn't processed. Or you can dip it in chocolate and just eat it. Mm -hmm. All those coffee beans you get in the store cannot be used to grow a tree, however, since they've already been separated and roasted. Uh, raw coffee cherries, as they are called, are uh, the fruit of the coffee tree. These cherries are... Yeah, these cherries are planted in large beds in shared nurseries in order to produce seedling trees. Uh, these are watered frequently and shaded from bright sunlight until they are hardy enough to be planted in normal soil. Planting usually happens in the wet season for each growing climate to help the seedlings take hold during the vulnerable time in their lives. Uh, so depending on the variety of coffee tree... The plant should mature into a fruit-bearing plant in three to four years. That's actually pretty quick when mm -hmm. you think about it. Uh, the fruit will turn a bright, deep red when it's ripe and ready to be harvested. Coffee plants flower over the course of about three days. Blooms look a lot like jasmine flowers as they are tiny and white. In some countries, like Colombia, there are two blooms, a main crop and a secondary after the bloom, it takes the tree about six months to develop uh, the pollinated blooms into ripe red cherries. Yeah. And during that time, um, the the beans are picked or the, the cherries are picked about five times over that six months because, you know, when one blooms, it won't develop immediately. They kind of bloom and then develop it at different times. <clears throat> In most countries, the crop is picked by hand. It is more labor-intensive process, but it yields better results. The pickers will come by and select the ripest beans on the plant, hoping to get less than one to two green beans for every 100 beans picked. The average picker... No, nah, will... nah, you got to get some of those green beans. Put them in some bacon fat. Yeah, garlic. That's a good one yeah. for that one. The average picker will pick 100 to 200 pounds of cherries in a day. When it's processed, those cherries will yield about 20 to 40 pounds of actual beans. The pickers are paid on the weight of the good beans they bring in. So they're, they're pretty good about picking quite a lot. As soon as the beans are picked, they are brought to a processing plant. Any long delays could cause, cause spoilage. There's a dry method to processing and a wet method. The dry method is the traditional way and the preferred method in countries where water is scarce. The cherries are spread out to dry in the sun, and they are raked and turned throughout the day. They are covered at night during, and in, during any rain to prevent them from getting any wetter. 
The goal is to remove moisture until the cherry drops to an 11% water content, which may actually take several weeks. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just like picturing ancient people going, uh, no, that's 12% water. <laughs> Let it dry a bit longer. <laughs> yeah. The wet method of processing involves first removing the outside flesh of the coffee cherry, called the pulp. This leaves behind the green bean covered by a papery, thin skin. This is accomplished by first washing the fruit and then putting the cherry through a pulper, which applies just the right amount of pressure to squeeze the bean out of the fruit. The bean will then flow in water to be sifted and separated from the pulp. The beans are also soaked in an enzyme and water solution to remove some of the thick, sticky substance called perichium. Uh, in the wet method, beans are now dried outdoors or in drying drums to 11% moisture. The drying period is, is pretty special to each individual producer, however. Uh, the beans from both wet and dry method are then pressed through a holing machine, which will kind of sand off and remove the paper-like husk or pulp from the bean, depending on which, which stage it was in. It could still have the pulp on the outside if it was dry processed. Uh, the beans are graded by weight and sorted. Larger beans are more desirable. The grading is based off 1 sorry, 1 64th of an inch holes, which the beans will fall through. The average is 10 to 20 on the scale, meaning they are 10 64ths to 20 64ths. Also, defective beans are removed at this time, sometimes by hand, sometimes by machinery. I, uh, sorry, I'm just thinking of them grading them going B plus. <laughs> Grade A. At this point, the product is referred to as a green coffee bean. They are ready for export to the roasters. If you were to try roasting at home, you would buy the beans that are green, and you could select the stage of roasting you would like for yourself. Uh, coffee... Nothing like roasting, the, roasting your coffee over a nice open fire. Yeah, that's the way it used to be done. But today, uh, coffee roasting uh, is still very hands-on and a crafted process. The process doesn't take long, and the roaster might use or must use actually sight, smell, and sound the entire time to help gauge when the beans are uh, finished. Uh, the process starts by dumping the beans into a roaster. There are many sizes of roasters, from the home ones that use a, and, and can process about 250 grams of beans to a much larger 300-pound roaster that brands like Folgers use. Yeah, it's a bit larger. Yep. The roasting process takes the beans through a heating period where the early beans will smell kind of like straw. The roaster is around 180 degrees centigrade, so the beans can roast quickly and even burn if the roaster isn't listening and watching the steps. During the first few minutes, the skin on the outside of the bean will darken and is removed by the agitation of the beans. There is always motion in a co coffee roaster. Without constant stirring, the coffee will not roast evenly, and some beans will burn while others will still be raw. The coffee loses moisture, and as it does, it will darken into a tan color. You should notice steam coming off the bean around this point. It could take about 10 minutes for this first little bit to be accomplished, but the bean needs to be dry enough to start to hit what's called the first crack stage. So the water is kind of protecting the bean from actually um, roasting too much at this point. Once you hit that first crack stage, the roasting process speeds up quite a bit. Um, you'll start to smell the aroma changing from hay to something closer to baking bread, and you'll start to hear a popping sound that sounds like popcorn because the beans mm. are actually puffing up slightly. Popcorn. Uh, yep. This is called the first crack stage, and it's the start of where you can actually stop roasting if you want a very light roasted coffee. At the second stage in the roaster, 
the roast will develop into a coffee with completely different flavors. Each person has a particular style they prefer, and the amount of time spent after the first crack will help to determine the roast depth. This is gauged by sight. This is gauged by smelling the beans and, and kind of seeing exactly where you want them to be. Um, if you roast long enough, you will come to a second crack stage. The beans will pop again, but this time it's much softer. And at this stage, the coffee is, instead of releasing water, it's releasing oils to the outside of the bean. And at this stage, the original bean's flavor will actually be overtaken by the roast flavor. Lighter roasted coffees can possess many different flavors typical of an origin, but they are very difficult to pick up after the second crack. So you're basically obliterating all those nuances that a coffee has, and you're just tasting roasted coffee. Um, you, you can't tell, oh, this is Ethiopian or this is Brazilian or this is Jamaican coffee. It's just coffee at that point. Um, and if after this stage you go too much further, you just get burnt coffee. So coffee roasting reduced the amount of caffeine in the bean. Espresso beans are roasted the longest, which helps, which helps to develop the sugars to get more aggressive, but certainly reduces the caffeine coffee content of the beans as well to lower than the traditional beans the darker the roast the less caffeine you're actually getting in the bean which is kind of counterintuitive That's see why i always I thought always... Uh, i always thought espressos were super high in caffeine yeah so uh, a cup of uh, coffee extraction and we'll talk more about this in the next episode but whenever you're talking about caffeine extraction um when you're roasting it you get less caffeine in the bean and then the extraction of caffeine is based on time spent with with it. So in espresso, it's got steam and hot water that's going over top of the beans quickly, and it barely touches it, and you're kind of just over and done. Um, in drip coffee, there's a lot more caffeine that can be absorbed because it's got more exposure time. That's why I go with drip coffee, and I go with a light roast. I need mm -hmm. maximum caffeine. <laughs> After roasting, the coffee is cooled quickly to room temperature. The key to targeting the right roast is to make sure to cool the beans so they don't continue roasting with that residual heat. Once the bean, beans reach room temperature, they can then be portioned and packaged. At this point, um, those, I think, are going to be 69-kilo bags, 69-kilogram bags. And so you, they're pretty much standard throughout the, the coffee industry. Sorry, you can't hear kilo without thinking of cocaine. <laughs> Both come from Colombia. Yeah. At this point, uh, we've taken the coffee bean from from really from its history 1,600 years ago or so. Um, we roasted to, it all that time, and now we can get coffee. To the bag. And then now uh, there are a lot of topics that we can continue to discuss, uh, but we're probably good, I think, for this week. Yeah, it's a, it's a good stopping point. There's a lot more as uh, – as was discussed at the beginning. I know there is, and I'm just like, man, I'm going to have to find a lot of creative ways around coffee. Yeah, we're, we're not done with coffee yet. It's no, I'm never done with coffee. Never. All right. Well, speaking of drinking things, I guess, what are we drinking? Drink with me, friend. All right, so I already alluded to it. I, I skirted the topic to an extent. Uh, no, no, you're uh, right with it. Well, yeah. I mean, I got I, I drank a beer, but I drank Braxton's Dead Blow with, with starter, starter coffee. Starter coffee. Oh, yeah, because Braxton uh, 
little known, uh, not only do they do beer, they do cold brew coffee as well. Mm-hmm. So if, if I'm going to do coffee, I'm going to do it inside beer. I like to put stimulants and depressants against each other and see which one wins. Um, but yeah, this is their tropical stout uh, with a little bit of uh, coffee put in there. Uh, it is a... Sorry. I'm also like trying to keep the burps down while I'm while I'm reading. Uh, it's at about 7.2% ABV, uh, 27 IBUs, has a beer advocate score of 39, uh, sorry, 3.9 out of 5, not 39 out of 5. Uh, a, that was a good score. Yeah. Uh, so the brewery description has, for this beer, we've taken our starter coffee blend and added it to Dead Blow Tropical Stout mm. during the brewing process. The result is a perfect balance of bitterness and sweetness paired uh uh, paired with a delicate roast of a stout. Uh, it's a beer worth the buzz. And their uh, basic dead blow description is it's a tropical version of the foreign extra stout. Uh, 80 pounds of uh, macerated dates. I guess that's correct. Made uh, made its way into the brew. Uh, partnered with a dry English ale yeast. Provided a vi- uh, vibrant, fruity, tropical aroma. With a slight amount of fruity, oh no, esters. He's gone. We've lost him. Ah. Ah. Uh, the dry English ale yeast helps this beer uh, attenuate lower. Uh, however, leaving a residual sweetness on the finish uh, as well increase the fruity characteristics from the dates. Dead Blow is a dry, roasty, fruity, full-bodied, smooth stout that's light on bitterness. Uh, I do want to say, descriptions like this are actually helping to finally burn into my brain the difference between phenols and esters. He's gone again. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, uh, I I really enjoy this. Uh, really do enjoy this beer. Uh, the you, you you can actually get a little bit of that that fruity date like flavor uh, coming in still with this, but uh, the, the the coffee kind of adds a well coffee and like the 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 ale yeast I think gives it like a nice drying out finish. It dry it, it ends a little bit drier than than I would expect initially from the first bit of the taste but it's it's really nice i like the dead blow yeah the the dry finish on it is enough i think that it keeps you it keeps you going back for more and more and more <laughs> it keeps and me more wanting and, to drink yeah you'll you grab one and then suddenly you've had six not not saying it's one of our favorite beers for a reason uh well i am drinking uh, a breakfast stout from founders brewing this is an Imperial oh. Stout coming in at 8.3% ABV, 60 IBUs, a little high for a stout. Uh, beer Advocate score of 4.51 out of 5. So this is a very beloved beer. A brewery's description, the coffee lover's consummate beer. Brewed with an abundance of flaked oats, bitter and imported chocolates, and two types of coffee. This stout has an intense fresh roasted java nose topped with a frothy cinnamon covered head that goes forever. Oh yeah, it's available year round. Woo-hoo! That's right. Founders has heard your cries and they've made the breakfast stout available year round along with Backwoods Bastard. Do we live mm. in the best times? We do live in the best times. Oh, uh, I mean, there are there are some other things that could <laughs> that could that, that could be better, but you know, look, this helps. 
as as a coffee addict and someone who drinks a lot of beer, this beer is what I want. I am now dying to try it uh, with uh, my beerios. But I believe uh, Founders did uh, a blog post before when they did uh, beer and cereals. And what was it? They did uh, breakfast out with like Cocoa Puffs and stuff like that in their original pairings. But right now they're they're pushing the beerios with it. I'm going to try it all. I'm going to try it. Don't worry. Okay. Casey, Casey, what are you drinking? I am having coffee because this is a coffee episode. Dang it. Anyways, um, I'm having a. Uh, French pressed. Uh, this is a coffee from the Kentucky Mountain Coffee Company, who is actually uh, one of the companies. We work. I worked with them um, to actually do a special blend for work. Uh, when when we were looking at some promo items, I, I said, "Hey, let's blend our own coffee." And this company worked with me and actually let me kind of pick the flavors that I wanted because they do flavored coffees mostly. Okay, if it's that, that if that's the one you got us a bag of, it is amazing. Yeah. And I would... Yeah. Do you have more bags of that? Because I want it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally... Uh, whenever I buy this coffee, I buy it... When when we at the company buy the coffee, we buy it in um, in somewhere around you 250 buy it by bags the, at a time. So you buy it by the pallet. Uh, they are yeah. I buy like two cases at a time whenever my we buy. My palate wants more. I I'm biting my lower lip. I I need that coffee. It's so yeah. Good. That one's the caramel dark chocolate toffee oh. combined, oh. pumped up. Yeah. But uh, this one I am drinking something a little bit different. It's their single origin collection. So they actually do, uh, they do the flavored stuff. But they've they've got this is where my heart really is. It's in the single origin where you can actually taste the difference in what the coffee is. So they come in and they do all kinds of, of coffee. So this one's the Brazilian, and it's actually a decaf Brazilian. Um, really good. They they The Brazilian coffees in general are supposed to have a nuttiness and sort of a dark chocolate note to it. I, I'm not good enough on coffee to be able to pick it out. I'm not going to you know BS you and say, hey, uh, I can really taste that. I like the acidity level that it's got in it, though. It's got a pretty good acidity level that I do like. Um this company, they are pretty good about working with you if there's something special that you want because they roast in six-pound batches. Oh. So if you're wanting to, I mean, it's super small batch for a, a production company. They make 12 how bags long, of coffee at a time. How long does it take them to make you one of your orders? Uh, two weeks. Oh. Takes them two weeks. Two weeks. Two uh, weeks. That's, that's the lead time. I'm sure they and they, they have day jobs. So this is just sort of their their evening working type stuff. What? It's yeah, like, well, so they're, they're like all hobby? jacked up on coffee. They don't sleep. <laughs> and uh-huh. Tweak Brothers Coffee, made by only the finest tweakers. And what do you think? I mean, 13 minutes to roast a batch of six pounds. I mean, you could do, you know, 30 pounds probably in an evening if you really wanted to spend some time on it. But uh, but anyway, so they do a bunch of various different single estate blends. I do know that Jamaican single origin is outrageously expensive. Like they, they, they've got, they haven't got it even on their website, but there's a Jamaican coffee that they can order for you if you want to special order it. And it's like $50 a pound. So that makes me want, that explains a lot of, uh, I've seen it hitting drafts around here. So it was, um, oh crap. Someone did a Jamaican blue. Uh, it was, uh, um, Ailsmith. Uh, they did the Speedway Stout, right? Someone, oh yeah. Someone please correct me. They did a, uh, 
Jamaican blue uh, coffee version of uh, Speedway Stout. And that's been hitting drafts around here, and people have been losing their minds over it, and I've not been able to make it out anywhere to get a sample of it. And that the expense for that, you know, Jamaican single-source coffee is probably explaining it all. Yeah, whenever you're looking at the, the Jamaican Blue Estate Coffee, I'm looking at it right now. Um, let's just call it a whole bean, and let's do a one-pound bag. So one one-pound bag is $60. If you got it in the five pound bags, it's two hundred seventy dollars. So if you oh. bought in bulk, <laughs> yeah, Justin's out. Oh. I'm all in. I'm, uh, the, my cards are there. I'm all in. Get me, get me some of that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm saving my money for something reliable like Let, the slot machine. Let's go ahead and <laughs> get these veins primed and ready. Yeah, we're just gonna inject that directly in there. Yeah, slow drip into your veins. <laughs> I don't need slow. I need it. But yeah, so uh, the the coffee company, I guess I could plug. I mean, that's the plug. But you can you can check them out and um, kymtncoffee.com if you want to go and check out their stuff. They do ship, mm-hmm. which is really cool. And uh, whenever do. I was was on the road as a drug rep, um, I was able to just run in the office where this lady worked her day job and give her an order, and then the next week pull around and pick it up. But now, you know, I go to our local shops to pick up what thanks, I'm looking for. Thanks to Casey. Yeah. It- Casey's personal personal blend is pretty. pretty I, I am proud because I, you know, I, I was like, "Hey, I'm looking for these flavors. Can you do something like this?" and and picked out exactly what I wanted. And it, I, I've got people that we give it away as a like a just a thank you for doing what you do, thank you for coming and and giving a talk or something. You know, just our special give a, a branded coffee mug and then a bag of this local coffee. Mm-hmm. And everybody calls up and they're like, "Hey, can can you send me some more of that?" Because you've gotten them hooked. As someone who's hooked on it, I need more of it. After after I blended this, the there's a local comp, uh, local like uh, small mom and pop store, Kentucky only product store, and people kept that sells the other products that they this company makes, and people kept coming in and asking for this special blend that they called me up and were like, "Hey, we know we did this one just for you guys, but can we sell it now?" And and so now they're able to sell it in in various different stores in the area. So I'm proud of I'm proud of my coffee blending skills, at least on the flavor blending. <laughs> I know what I like. All right. And it's not too different from what they've already got. If you want something that's similar there, uh, let me let me get the flavor that what it is that's I found, similar here. Uh, there's something really similar. I don't know who source like where they get it from, but Jungle Gems in the area, uh, they have their own coffee brand, and they have a, I think it's just it's Gorilla something, but Gorilla they, Glue. <laughs> the, the if you, but they have something strikingly similar. If you wanted to order it, it's similar to the Bluegrass Delight, except our blend has a little bit more kicked up flavoring to it. So. Um, if you wanted to order something that was similar online. All right. Well, I think that just about does it for us, guys. Uh, yep. I think it's going to wrap us up, at least for this bit of coffee. We will revisit coffee again. We are not done with it. So go okay. ahead and find uh, find some more coffee beer. Indeed. So you can visit us at haveadrinkshow.com for useful links and info about us. Also look for Have a Drink Show on social media, twitch.tv, and YouTube. 
Uh, don't forget, you can ask us a question, leave some uh, general feedback, or uh, tell us your favorite drink. You can use the email address of feedback at haveadrinkshow.com. Uh, you can also use the feedback page on the website. Or, uh, you know, shout really loud from wherever you are. I've got your house bugged. Don't worry. We'll hear it. Yeah, guys, uh, all joking and fun aside, I'd like to remind everyone to please drink responsibly. Come on, it, it's not that not that difficult. So check us out next Sunday. That's right, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday at 5 p.m. for our next live episode. And remember to check out patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. All those folks that are patrons uh, as of, I think, two weeks ago. Are getting a little special uh, yeah. something in, as in the of mail. Now, we're going to go, as soon as we're done with this, we're going to check uh, patrons. So if, if you're not watching this live and you are listening to this, you just missed your chance. And we're showing the stickers. We are They are going to be mailed very soon. We have them all now. Multiple, multiple stickers. Um, you can go and get those, though. Um, once again, I am Casey Price. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. We'll see you guys next time. Oh, so weird being in that order. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> <laughs>